Welcome everyone. So nice to see you here tonight. My name's Danny Lacey. I'm the director of the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery. Um, welcome to our online guests as well. This is our uh, first IGTV live stream. Um, so it's nice to have some guests um, from wherever you're joining us across the country or the world. Um, but it's really nice to have uh, people in person, in real life, in the space. Um, this is one of uh, a small number of uh, public programs that we've actually held in person um, since last March. So it's really nice to actually have, uh, see real people. It's a bit intimidating, actually. Um, I'd like to start by acknowledging and paying respect to the elders, families and ancestors of the Bunurong Bunurong people who have been the custodians of this land for many thousands of years. We acknowledge that the land on which we meet is the place of age-old ceremonies, celebrations, initiation and renewal, and that the Bunurong, Bunurong people's living cultures continues to have a unique role in the life of this region. Um, we're really excited about tonight's event, actually. Uh, I was just saying to Ty Snaith and Janine Burke, who hardly need an introduction, really, um, but I'm going to give it a little non-academic personal introduction. Um, it's been so nice to work with Ty on the development of this exhibition. Um, I know we talked about this a couple of years ago, actually, but to actually realise this project uh, in this year under the conditions that we had last year is really fantastic and it's really amazing, I think, to see the MPRG collection on display and spoken about and uh, have this beautiful dialogue about the collection as well, which you've managed to do. Um, I have great respect for both of you. It's sort of quite intimidating being up here, Janine. We've worked together before. Um, I remember when uh, the exhibition that you put on at Monash University Museum of Art, the Freud exhibition, which was amazing and uh, a real showstopper. So it's nice to uh, be working with you again. And I guess to have both Ty and Janine here, um, I also wanted to mention something that not many people know in that... Um, the gallery is actually producing a second volume of its collection publications, which is solely dedicated to women artists. Um, this will be published in July, uh, and we're going to have a launch in probably August, which is really exciting. Um, and Janine has actually written quite a, a, a punchy and powerful essay uh, for that publication. So it's really nice. It's a nice tie-in to have this beautiful talk tonight. Uh, but to have not only Janine's essay, but Ty writing that publication on some of our collection work. So it's a really nice connection. Um, if I can just ask you, if you've got your mobile phones on, to put them onto silent. And uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to this event. So I'm going to throw it over to Ty and Janine. Thanks, Welcome. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here and Ty and I have known each other for quite some time now and indeed we met on the peninsula. We did, yeah. We met at uh, Susan McCulloch's uh, Whistlewood Gallery uh, probably four or five years ago and we connected at that time and we've stayed connected ever since and I've been following Ty's work with uh, great interest. I'm so very pleased to see this exhibition as a culmination of many of Ty's interests. So I'll, I'll open up by asking Ty to discuss this exhibition and perhaps its context. Thank you, Ty. Oh, thanks, Janine, and thanks, Danny, for having us and actually for giving me the opportunity to present this exhibition because it's a real privilege because it, it's one of those 
projects that's just pure joy. Like nothing felt difficult, it just felt like it, it had to happen and I was just there to allow it to happen. So it's been really lovely to work here with the MPRG. So the project is a continuation of a project that started back in 2017 where I was commissioned by ACCA to do a series of conversations with women artists that were older than me um, that was part of the Unfinished Business exhibition which was um, Perspectives on Feminism. And my project was basically just similar conversations that I recorded and then they were put online. But because it was ACCA, it got this amazing um, reach and I had a lot of people contacting me and saying how great it was to hear a younger woman speaking to older women that came before. And it seems like such a basic thing but was weirdly radical. I mean, it seems like it should have happened before as well, but anyway, so that really inspired me to sort of keep going. And then the second iteration of the project, I was funded by the Australia Council and I did a second series, and that was shown at Sarah Scout in the city. So the second series, I actually made work responding to the conversation. So I really wanted to include my own artwork in that um, process or project. So not just conversations, but how it inspired me and to show that manifestation of how verbal conversations can actually eventuate in made ideas. Um, and then the third iteration, um, I was invited by Danny to, it's slightly different each time, but to look at their collection and choose from the amazing list of artists that's in the permanent collection. It's like being a kid in a lolly shop. I'm like, oh, I love all of them. But I got to meet with five of the women that I really respected. So I was able to choose these artists. So that's actually really important, I think, because that means it's part of my um, thought process. It also shows how it informs my work, but people of my generation as well. So there are women in this show that are older than me, like Elizabeth Gower, who was part of the women's liberation movement. Um, Sally Smart definitely came before me, Catherine Haddam. And then there's someone who's younger than me, Lily Mae Martin is, you know, and I think it's really important as a feminist to, to show those that spectrum. Can so, I take you back yeah, a little bit? Sure. Um, I'm thinking of the exhibition at the um, McClellan Gallery. Mm -hmm. um, I did two exhibitions there. Uh, some of you may have seen them. One was Nest, the Art of Birds. Uh, that was in 2012. And then I did an exhibition a couple of years later um, focusing on how artists imagine the place where they live, what they do. And I invited Ty, Ty was invited to do um, a work for that exhibition, a, a very beautiful work which she did called The Mertzbauer, which is about the home as a place of imaginative engagement and beauty and all those kinds of things. So I just wonder if, if you'd like to just riff on that a little bit and talk about that trajectory for you. That's really good, thank you. I loved being in that exhibition as well because it was the first time I'd sort of been asked to make a work that was just completely open-ended, really. But Janine had said, you know, the nest um, sort of similarity that we shared. And then this Mertzbauer work, I. I guess I didn't really understand what it was about until I made it and actually until Janine wrote the 
catalogue essay on it. It's one of those amazing things where you read what someone else has written about your work and go, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and it was such an awesome now moment. I yeah. Now I get it. And it's like, oh, of course it's there, but you sort of just do it and then someone to put words to it is such a beautiful thing. And Janine wrote about how it was kind of about domesticity, but almost like a, a different imaginative take on domesticity. And I think as a woman, I'd always been reluctant to talk about my work in that way because as a woman, you don't really want to talk about domesticity. Do you think many women artists feel like that? Yeah, they I, don't want to talk about it? I definitely think so. And I think that came before the podcast series. And there was something that did happen with that work where it made me think, why do I not want to talk about that? And what is it that we are taught that we shouldn't share that type of information or we shouldn't talk about the difficulties around those things? And then I thought, well, actually, maybe it, it is that we should be talking about that and that we maybe, you know, as fourth wave feminists, it's really important that we talk about what that is that stops us from talking about childbearing or talk, stops us from talking about domesticity in our artwork because we're taught to not talk about that. And so I guess that led into me wanting to have these conversations and then that led into recording the conversation. So yeah, it is, it is interesting to tie it back to things that came before. And I think a lot of these works, I mean, particularly this one over here um, by Elizabeth Gower, if you listen to the conversation, we do talk a lot about that sort of collecting of daily life as a woman. And if you look into that um, picture, there's all these motifs from her life at the time. So it was sort of, what does she call about? She calls it the chaos of daily life. And then she talks about sifting and sorting through that chaos using symbology and using um, imagery and how it helped her to make sense of that as a young mother. And sometimes you sort of think, ah, oh, there's just too much. Like, it's so much going on. It's hard to know even how your practice fits in between that. And for... I'm, I'm just wondering, have, has anybody heard any of the podcasts that Ty has done? Uh, what, what artist did you, did you hear from? Um, I listened to the Lily Mae Martin. Yeah, I've listened. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, She's that amazing. is a really extraordinary. Um, interview and the works are, are, are just in there mm. and she opens up doesn't she in such an amazing way about her work and she's uh, I, I said when Ty and I were dry, dying drown, drying drown <laughs> dying, dying driving down driving down <laughs> driving we know down, um, that yeah you sort of Quite, it's quite shocking to listen to because she is so open and she talks about um, various uh, mental health issues that she's facing and what she needs to do about that and what she needs to do to make money. Uh, I found it was very, very interesting and very, very confronting. But I think it's interesting for me to have spoken to the whole spectrum of ages of women because mm. it's something that younger women seem to be able to do a lot better is to talk about vulnerability and mental health and actually um, express those things honestly where I found older women who I respect enormously, um, I guess it's just not something that happened you know, 30 or 40 years ago. Well, you just, didn't you just talk about you, they get whacked in the face. That's why they don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's why they don't talk about it. Yeah. They feel embarrassed. They feel humiliated. They feel that uh, they will be regarded as lesser people. Mm. So I think it's for younger women, thankfully, and thank 
the goddess, mm. that they have that. Yeah, and I think it's something, that, though, that still needs to be kind of encouraged and actually seen as a strength. And Absolutely. I think Lily's um, incredibly um, brave and actually there have been a few artists in the series that, like, Deanna Giorgetti also from the last series, she talked about mental illness as well and even Patricia Piccinini talked about postnatal depression, which... Um, I I didn't know, you know, like, and I followed her work and I just assumed she's this amazing, um, you know, confident person and yet actually what I've loved about this project is to see... And then we find see, out that yeah. none of us We're all the same, are these yeah. amazing confident people. That's yeah. what we... And they all have doubts and actually, like, even Patricia Piccinini worries that she'll become irrelevant. She's, like, the most famous artist in Australia. Like, how could she possibly become One irrelevant? One of the most famous artists in, in the world. world. And yet still feels like she has to keep going on this, like, super productive kind of... And that was really shocking for me to sort of hear that one of my idols who you think just is so effortless, she struggles as well. Like everyone sort of has their struggles. But I think with the younger artists, it is definitely a new trend is to be able to talk about that, which is amazing, yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think opening up that dialogue is extremely important. Um, I think um, connecting with many artists shows us that people are often engaging with, like the rest of the population. I mean, let's face it, like, mm. it's it's not this idea of like, oh, well, artists are crazy people and they have all these problems. Um, as we look at our society and we look at, you know, so many um, challenges that people face with um, schizophrenia or bipolar or anxiety, depression, and it's all out there. Everybody is feeling that. Uh, I just think it's worth maybe artists, as usual, are the people who take it out there to the world, which is what artists do, yeah. and to realise that um, artists uh, and creative people are just reflecting a, a lot of anxiety uh, that's currently in the world at the moment. Yeah, and I think um, sometimes you don't realise that you have a platform. I mean, I've spoken about this with a few artists as well, is you don't realise you have a platform until it's sort of like right in front of you and that part of our responsibility of people, you know, that has a, have a voice is to actually pass that on to people that maybe don't have a voice. And so... One of the things that, as I've got further into this project, is really um, understanding that there's certain artists that don't get to speak often. Um, and, you know, whether it's women of colour or it's, um, you know, transgender women. Um, so I'm really sort of interested in how that part of feminism, where we're at now, is really important, like, to give that privilege of having a platform to share that. Um, and sometimes they're not easy conversations to have and that's, that's, right. that's really challenging because the easy conversations to have um, are maybe not as interesting but it's hard. Yeah, and it's I hard think the do. easy conversations to have is like, oh, when's your retrospective happening? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I saw you had a really good review for that show in Sydney. Um, they're very external and, of course, they're important. But at the same time, um, for artists and, you know, uh, various creative people to be engaging with that and putting it out there, mm. it's really, you know, it's quite painful and difficult, uh, particularly as time goes on. And so 
it's useful to be able to know there's a there's a kind of audience that yeah. is going yeah okay you know um, we love what you did and we may not be seeing your exhibition but nonetheless we're engaging with mm. it and I think everybody needs those positive voices. But I think it's also like the art world often you see kind of a veneer that's at the top of the end of the production yeah. but actually yeah. what happens with art is the lives behind that are incredibly rich and complicated yeah. and often we don't get that insight to see actually what's led up to that outcome and and sometimes the outcome is actually the least interesting bit or you know just getting that full story and I think the sort of storytelling tradition that's in this country is so amazing and rich and yet and yet the art world is not very good at telling the full story and so I feel like maybe what's just naturally happened for me and and also for you you know like we were talking about that on the way up is that yeah. it's not like either of us sort of set out to choose to tell artists stories but it's like there's a need and so you end up doing it because there's a need you know and like some of Janine's books that she's written you know Joy Hester's book for example if if Janine hadn't have written that book I wouldn't really know anything about Joy Hester and that's formed a lot of my knowledge of the struggle of female artists in this country so there's a there's a responsibility in that as well to share those stories whether you really want to do it or not <laughs> yeah I think that's true and I think we rely on not only women artists but women art historians and critics and writers who are searching out what hasn't happened, you know. And it's been great. I, I recently wrote an article which is uh, coming out here at the Mornington Gallery on, on women artists in the Mornington Gallery collection. It was fascinating to sort of like draw synergies between the artists in the collection, whether it's uh, Deborah Kelly over there, whoever, Joy Hester, whoever it might be, and, you know, <laughs> I was saying this to Ty, I mean, like, it's so sad. I mean, like, you know, 1975, I did an exhibition called Australian Women Artists, 1800 to 1900. Um, five years later, I did a book on the same subject and thought, well, whoa, you know, it was very successful. It was incredibly successful. And you think, oh, cool, I've done it. It's, it's, we've got it, you know, we're, we're, we're there. And you get to this year and last year and we're not there. We're in a shit space, <laughs> you know. We really are. I mean, when you think that, <laughs> you know, Brittany Higgins, who was allegedly raped... Um, stands up outside Parliament House uh, to talk about that and her uh, alleged rapist is in, in hospital. Um, <laughs> you know, it just, it's like stupid and I think everyone's sick of it. You know, people are just sick of it. What the hell, you know, what are you doing? Like, get over it. 
So, but it's I, not it's not like that. Not that much has actually changed. You know, I watched the yeah. amazing documentary the yeah. other day, um, Brazen Hussies. I don't know if ever anyone's yeah, seen yeah. it. Yeah, it's I know. really yeah. really good, and it was made by a woman my age who had actually gone overseas and made a documentary about the American female liberation movement over there. And then she thought, well, I should come back and make the one in Australia. In the 1970s. Yeah, yeah. and it's got all this amazing footage of yeah. the um, women's liberation movement and how it and how it influenced. Goff Whitlam, which I didn't know that. Like, I didn't realise that actually those protests heavily in yeah, yeah. influenced him getting into power. And that's why power. we had... He appointed yeah. Elizabeth yeah, Ray yeah. as the first... Uh, women's advisor to government and and Elizabeth Reid when we decided to do the Australian Women Arts exhibition mm. Mm. we went to Canberra we talked to her and she's like yeah I'll, I'll give you some dough yeah I'll Amazing. give you some money to the Australian Women Arts exhibition and she flew down mm. you know her busy schedule she flew down from Canberra mm. and launched you know, that in, exhibition. In some ways, it's almost like that was more progressive than what's happening now. You know, now we've got these women ministers for women who don't even go outside to the protest. We don't like, need ministers for women. We need <laughs> ministers for men. Or we just need half we of just, the people in parliament to be women. We're, we're not the problem. <laughs> we're not doing anything wrong. Like, just Minis give us some ministers Ministers to help men. men. Yeah. But it is, it is interesting, though, because that movement was so passionate and yet, now yeah. it's almost like we have to do it again. What, you what, have to do it what, again. What, That's what, what I've learned. That's what I've learned. Yeah. You know, and I've said this to people, and oh my God, we do have to do this again. They're like, yeah, you have to do it again. So we have to do it again. But each time, surely, we will be more empowered, smarter, more sophisticated. And yeah. fortunately, you know, we've got Joe Biden, we've got the wonderful Kamala Harris. Mm. And so, you know, apart from our idiotic um, Prime Minister, you know, who has to... Let's not talk, talk to about Jen. <laughs> Jen, but what I would think... Jen think? What would Jen think? Yeah, maybe she should be in the in the job. Maybe but, um, you know, I think in the art world, like, I can't really get involved in... Pol I feel like that would be a bit of a stretch to start getting involved in politics. Okay. But for me, it's a bit like, what can we do within our world? And I think that there are lots of problems in the art world, like, about how women are represented. And still, all the mm. national collections are way more men in the national collection than women, even though there's more women practising. And there's all this great data that's been compiled, like Elvis Richardson, has started um, oh, Countess, which yeah, is amazing. Right. And basically they count everything that happens every year in the art world and they work out how many men and how many women and how many non-binary people have mm -hmm. been given shows. And it's still, it's still, even when it's out there in the public, it's still man-heavy. Mm -hmm. um, but <clears throat> I guess what I was wanting to say is that you can get to a point where you're really frustrated by that. And I felt really frustrated that maybe I can't get my work into collections or um, that's what we want to do, you know, like we want to be, have a legacy as women where people remember us and our story and what we were about. That's all we want. Um, but it's difficult and it's difficult if you want, don't want to be part of the commercial system. Um, it's difficult if I you... Think, I, I think really this, uh, what we're talking about now, right here, is actually that same thing yeah. that we can work. And I, I would like to hear if anybody's got some questions and is interested. What in I was going to say before oh, questions sorry. is just that yeah. maybe there are new ways, um, like 
back in the 70s how women protested was really effective, but now protest is not so effective, right? So now I'm starting to think, like maybe there are new ways to infiltrate the institution. And I guess with, oh, this, I type of, so. with this type of work though, like this kind of exhibition where you're actually commissioned to come into an institution and actually have a voice and authority without being represented by a commercial gallery, like without having, you know, sold lots of pretty works to be in a collection, like you actually have something to say. This is actually quite a new thing for, for institutions to hand over to a female artist to sort of curate a show and then preserve conversations. Like I feel quite proud of that because it's a new way and I feel like maybe, you know, there's a new way to have women's voices preserved. I hope so, I hope so because I was very fortunate, you know, that I had Kiffy Rubel and the George Payton Gallery and I was able to pretty much do every single thing that I wanted to do. There was nothing mm. stopping me. But at the same time, you know, I had uh, artists and, and writers who we worked together mm. to change the system. That's what we did. And that's a key thing, I think, because often the art world is focused towards like a solo career where you are out every man, every woman for their own. But actually that's never really what what affects change. So like to have, you know, a curated exhibition or to band together and mm. make mm. a group and to include, you know, non-binary women or non-binary people or to include Indigenous women. And I think it's really, really important to sort of like have that um, diverse group when you're and it's great to see how that's changing. You know, I saw the um, She Oaks and Sunlight exhibition at the NGV, and uh, what you realise is, well, at least they included five works <laughs> by uh, William Barrett. So pathetic. They include five works, by, which is not enough. No. And having just written a book on trees, mm. which is about to be published, you know... How many books do you have now, Janine? 20. <laughs> I know. What the fuck was Amazing. I doing? I don't know. You were writing a lot, I think. That's a lot um, of books. Yeah. And so looking at that and looking at what has happened, you sort of realise that all of these uh, contested issues are still going on. But it's crazy. Like there were, you know, like mm. there were indigenous women in the in the protests Absolutely. back in the seventies that were saying this Absolutely. is not representative of my like I'm not part of this feminism, mm. and yet it's still like something that people don't talk about, or yes. just it's too hard. It's ridiculous. Mm -mm. So, but I think it's getting better. I think it's getting better. I think I the so. need the need to hear an indigenous perspective is getting so much better. Yeah, but there's still more, like it still then oh, needs, yeah. to, like the progress Absolutely. needs to be that Indigenous women run these curated exhibitions and like there's a way to go. But yeah, it, I think mm. you need to document mm. that process as well mm. instead of I just agree. sort of pretending that it's... Yeah, I totally agree. ..not a yeah. thing. Anyway, I love this exhibition. I think it's really beautiful. I think Ty's really done a great job in terms of all the things that are here. It's, it's very sensitive and thoughtful. And it's lovely that it, it engages with people. It's like, oh, what am I looking at, you know? But it offers them a, a narrative, uh, which I think is very important because, you know, if people walk into an art gallery, uh, particularly with uh, contemporary art, and they're sort of going, oh, um, 
I don't know. What am I looking at? Is what are my cues? You know, what are the what are the things that I should be looking for and engaging with? And I think it's really good. And I've seen this happen in my own lifetime. That hmm. you know, once upon a time, people would walk into um, an art gallery and all they'd see was the like <laughs> the name of the artist. Um, you know, just and what the medium was. And I think it's so helpful that people can engage, you know, they could walk in and go, oh, what's this, what it's is funny, this about? You it's know? funny to think that that's happened in your lifetime. Like I've always had a dial, you know, a thing that you read. But it, it is interesting to think about, I mean, for me, I've done the radio for many years, so... I've just been on the radio talking about other people's mm-hmm. shows and there's something I don't use notes or anything so I just speak from memory which sometimes goes mm-hmm. wrong but usually it's just quite um, a gut instinct thing to talk in common language about an exhibition but it's funny the feedback you get is often people saying oh it's really nice you speak so normally about art <laughs> and I'm like what because oh, you don't use art language which I can use art language I promise but I actually think it's really important to have non-art language as well or something that's just a little bit more accessible or even just spoken language you know like how crazy to just have someone speaking about their work or their life but it's because we're still the art world is quite formal and maybe that's what's breaking down is that it's a little bit more like maybe we want more people to come into so and I think there are um you know I was on the board of uh Heidi Museum of Modern Art for nearly 10 years and uh, when I went there I found that there was not a lot of um, information, you know, on, on different artworks and that could be offered to people that they would engage with that. And uh, it was good to see that over the years that did happen. Yeah. So people could, yeah, they could engage. Like, oh, okay, so this is a painting by Sidney Nolan or this is an extraordinary drawing by Joy Hester. And, you know, what annoyed me was, like, I had the privilege to go through... Um, an art history degree, mm. but not a lot of other people have that privilege, mm. you know. They don't know what all these references are, they don't know about German Expressionism and French Surrealism and, you know, people who study art know that, but not a larger community. So I really wish to engage with um, what people were bringing to it and what they didn't understand what they didn't engage with, and to help them, you know, to help them, to engage them. It was interesting when we were writing the panels, um, Danny, you know, I said to Danny, would it be okay if we put them as questions? Because I've found that even just putting the podcast episodes out um, to the world on the internet, they get a lot more engagement if you write sort of the title of the episode, but then a, a series of questions rather than just statements about what it's about. And it made me think a lot about, and Danny said, yeah, we're trying to, that's actually something we want to do is have more questions on the panels, which I think is a big shift to actually look at an artwork and instead of tell them what it's about, maybe help them to ask a question about what it might be about. And even with my kids, I always say, well, what do you think and why do you think that? And that's basically the only skill you need in reading art. Like, you don't need to... It's helpful if you know the history. It's great. But if you don't know the history, all you need is just to sort of ask, why would the artist have made this and what is it that 
speaks to me. And then, then you start to sort of have the narrative which, which is powerful, you know, because that, that story is powerful because then you might tell that to someone else or you might even, that goes into your unconscious and you might make a work based on that and becomes like a lineage of, of a concept or an idea, which seems basic when you say it like that. But a lot of people are really, they think it's something they can't be part of. Like even on the radio, we get people ringing in yeah. saying, do we need to make an appointment to go to that gallery? It's like, no, you just walk into galleries. They're yeah, that was the lovely thing about being involved uh, with Heidi for all those years, was that so many people would be coming out mm and uh, looking at asking questions and doing all this stuff. It was like really cool mm. um, because I felt, I always felt it should be, and I thought it was what John and Sunday wanted to was that it was open, that it would be open, that that's what they would want. So yeah, I tried to kind of, um, <laughs> I remember when I was on the board at Heidi, I was on the board for Heidi, 10 years and before a board meeting I'd go and sit in the garden in the heart garden where Sunday you know and I'd like okay John on Sunday like <laughs> what I do, do you this want? thing like what do we think we do we've got this we've got to do that we're gonna blah 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 we've got to, they want this what they want that <laughs> and uh, they'd go oh no we don't want that yeah yeah that's okay no you can do that no no you can't do that and so I'd completely I mean it's interesting you know, I'm thinking, was it Lily or was it um, Deborah who talked about the amazing connection? I like being a medium. Yeah. That's what that I... made me think of it. Because De Deborah, um, in her conversation, if you haven't heard it, because she, she had to collect all those art books from, mm. there's hundreds of them, to cut the same figure out of each art book. And she said she was so into the project that it was almost like all she emanated was this hunt for books. Mm -hmm. And she said her energy was so much about it that one day she was walking down the street in Sydney and she was just minding her own business and there was this woman she didn't know standing in her front yard holding a book and she walked past and looked at her and sort of saw that it was an old art book and the woman looked at her and said, do you want this? And she gave it to her and she looked at it and it was one of the books she was hunting for and Deborah just said, Yes, yes I do, and took it away. And we talked about how art can be, like there is a sort of, there is a weird medium nature in art where it's impossible to pin down or to, to sort of express um, academically, but it is something that happens where you live it so intensely that you do emanate a type of energy that attracts things to you. And I know that like Lisa, who's here today, um, Lisa's collection is behind us in the cabinet. And we talked a lot about collecting and how as artists, it's almost indiscriminate. Like you can't actually, it's not like you set out going, I want these teeth and these bones. They come to you and then you sort of form this language of things that you collect. And actually a lot of the artists in the show like Elizabeth Gower as well is a big collector. Um, Sally Smart collects fabrics and things. And a lot of artists, I think, have this, and, and, and writers, you know, have this ability to sort of collect information that's just completely intuitive, but rarely spoken about. Okay, so um, <laughs> how are we going? We can close now unless there are a few other questions. <laughs> or you can uh, or you can just oh, talk. Yes, there's a question. Sorry, I was just wondering about the ceramic side of your creativity and how that fits in with the narrative. And Thanks. A specific me question. Thanks. Um, okay, so 
All right, I'll, I'll go back to maybe six years ago. I didn't work with ceramics at all. I just, I mean, my oldest form of practice is painting and drawing. I studied sculpture though, so I guess I think three-dimensionally. But when I, my partner's an architect, and when we designed and built our house about six years ago, um, one of my jobs, which weren't many, because when an architect designs their own house, it's pretty much their job, but uh, I was allowed to or asked to find the tiles to the kitchen and I thought, oh, that'll be easy. And I looked and I could, do you think I could find any tiles that I liked anywhere in the world? No. So I made the tiles and I glazed them by hand and there were 520 of them. And the process was very new to me because I'd never worked with glazers before and I loved it. And it was really challenging because there's sort of this unknown where you put it into the kiln, you don't know what's going to come out. So unlike paint, which you can control pretty, you know, fastidiously. With ceramics, there's this sort of like mystery that happens in the in the alchemy of the process. So I got hooked then when when I when we did the house, and then also I guess it goes back to the domestic thing as well. Like it was in our house, it became something that I started doing every day. I had small children, and I actually and I'm going to be completely honest, became fully addicted to my phone, um, and I realised that that was becoming a problem, like a parenting problem, because I wasn't making eye contact with my kids and I was looking at the phone a lot and it's something that I know a lot of people identify with as young mothers because you can't get out and you can't go and see people so you get obsessed with social media. And so one way that got me off my phone was to get my hands dirty because I can't touch the phone when I'm... So it was actually, I was really happy with the clay process because it would mean that I'd put my phone away for hours and not touch it and then have some space in my mind to actually think about myself rather than everyone online. Um, so that's where it, it came from. And then I made a picture book using clay and a second picture book using clay. And then I've started progressing, I guess, and making these weird vessels that are somewhere from a very, very um, uh, unconscious place, a little bit like the dreams. So often I have the dreams, draw the dreams, paint the dreams, and then distill imagery down or shapes and they form these vessels. So it's an odd process, but it's something that I find really satisfying and very unconscious. So it's almost like meditative for me. But yeah, clay, I think it really grounds me. Um, but I'm very, I don't use the proper processes or rules. I'm really um, like an outsider ceramic artist. I don't, I can't throw, I build, I hand build everything. So really it's more like sculpture than, than pottery. But you know, I, I love the world because it's new for me still. So six years is not very long if you work with ceramics to, you know, so I'm still exploring a lot of things. But my next show, which is actually at Heidi, um, is all ceramic, which will be the first time ever that I've just used ceramics and not any other. So, yeah, it's sort of not going away, I guess. Does that satisfy your... Yeah, it does. And just one more question that leads on. Does your architecturally design home have a studio in it? It does, yeah, that was the first brief from me, the client. Yeah, no, of course, yeah. It's not a very big studio, but it's in the middle of the house because if you have um, little kids and you still want to have a practice, um, you sort of have to have it where you can still do everything else. So, yeah, no, I have a studio at home, which during COVID was really amazingly just a godsend to have it at home because a lot of my friends couldn't get to their studios because they were off-site. You weren't allowed to travel to your studio in Melbourne, so... That was struggle for a lot of people. I knew living in apartments and... But, yeah, it's a tiny room, my studio, and it does often spill out into the rest of the house and the backyard. So I do all my clay outside and, yeah. But I'd love to have a bigger space one day, but, yeah, I have it at home.
yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Ty and Janine, I'm sure everyone enjoyed that, uh, both in here and online. Um, we'll have, for everyone here at the gallery, we'll be able to have a little drink and a nibble. And uh, we've got some flowers. Celia, come on up. Um, Pen Peninsula Wildflowers, who are one of our wonderful um, local businesses down here on the peninsula. Just a little token of our thank you. Um, but if everyone can put a warm um, applause together. Um, Ty's exhibition, A World of One's Own, uh, will be on at MPRG until the 23rd of May, so there's still about a month to go. And yeah, it's just a really brilliant exhibition that explores our collection, uh, featuring some really brilliant artists. Uh, Sally Smart, whose work is behind us here, Elizabeth Gower, Deborah Kelly, um, Lisa Wop, who's with us tonight as well, some of your beautiful work. We've got um, Fiona McMonagall, Lily May Martin, and Catherine Haddam. Beautiful lineup. So thanks so much for your talk tonight and for your amazing yeah, project. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, you're welcome. Us. Yeah. It's great, aren't we, Ty? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> you two will be chatting the whole way home. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Let's go and have a drink. <laughs>